The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast, recording this on a Friday night in Southern California. we got a lot of stuff going on in the NBA, both on and off the court. Uh, players uh, boycotting a few games. Uh, there haven't been games since Wednesday night. And we'll also be discussing some of the second round series in the Eastern Conference. And joining me to discuss all this tonight from Dallas, Texas... Boston Celtics super fan Akshay. What up, Akshay? How's it going? Yo, what's up, Dishon? Uh, yeah, it's going pretty well, dude. Uh, uh, just getting back into the fold again with the NBA and um, all the all the drama that's going on lately. You know, it just it, it's good that the games are starting up, but uh, it's like you said, a lot of stuff to talk about, man. A lot of stuff off the court that's happening. A lot of stuff that people need to be aware of and, uh, and not turn. Uh, uh, how would I say, not turn uh, their shoulder on. Okay, in regard to that, uh, what's kind of your kind of take on all, all the stuff that's gone down with the boycotting of the games, and do you think uh, it was a successful effort on the players' parts to kind of get a message out to the greater public and to uh, lawmakers and pol- politicians uh, of what the, what they want to achieve with, with their, their uh, reasoning of the boycotts? I think it was. I think it was somewhat of a success. Do I call it a successful success? I mean, no, I don't. You know, I think they should have actually, in my in my humble opinion, I think they should actually quit the whole um, the whole thing with their daughter now in Florida. You know, I, I I said from the beginning that I, I didn't like it. I didn't think this was even worth it. But then now they're they're in this. Uh, I mean, my whole thing was basically. Uh, the COVID going on, and now you have the situation which happened where uh, uh, this guy was really shot at seven times, you know, by the police. And uh, yes, they have a. You, you can go back and forth on it. You, know, you can argue different sides, but the bottom line is the guy was shot seven times in the, in the back. You know, whether he was he was going for his knife, and um, certain media outlets portrayed that there that he had a knife on him, and but uh, but he went. But the video showed the knife was literally on the passenger uh, seat of the car on the ground, where your feet would sit. You know, where your feet were, where you place your feet, and there was no use of the knife, nothing. You know, but the guy was shot seven times in the back by one officer, one veteran officer who's been in the league, who's been in this, who's who's had seven years experience. So it's like I do think it it did make a huge uh, difference. It showed that the players do care. You know, there's because these are human beings after all. You know, these human beings—they put their—they're putting uh, themselves uh, right now playing games in the COVID era. You know, where they're in this so-called bubble thing uh, in uh, in Florida of all states, in Disney World, okay, to be exact. But it's it's 
I wouldn't say it's uh, it's not the ideal situation. And what happened? Yeah, I think they have. First of all, I think they had every right to do what they did, because quite honestly, um, yeah, the, uh, um, the league will have the restrictions and all that, but these players control the league. They control the market. They control the money. So it's like, where do you? Um, I mean, how could you not let them do what they're doing? You know, I, I understand there's also a negative aspect to it in the way people viewed it. I mean, a lot of pro-Trump supporters, uh, so I day speak, uh, were against it. You know, they were, uh, they said, oh, no, no, this guy was, uh, had charged the officer and did all this nonsense. And then he was a felon, and yes, he did have some sheet on him. Well, I mean, regardless of what what uh, he had charges or what transpired, I don't know exactly what transpired on Sunday night in Kenosha, Wisconsin. But regardless of all that, I I can't come across the justification of seven gunshots. No, exactly. So that's exactly. That's, my main that's concern my with point. it. That's that's what I'm concerned. That's my whole main. You know, I mean, you you think you you know people, you know? You think you know people? I mean, there's people. I mean, I can't name names, but the person I know in Chatsworth, California, that's where he presently lives, and I used to work with this guy some odd years ago. He was a part of Prime Health. He was like a vendor for the printers, but now look at this guy. This guy's a completely turned pro-Republican guy. You know, he's always out making stupid comments on other people, and I have to always put him in check. You know, I mean, it he would make comments about like uh, NBA and all this and the players and pretty much saying that this guy was a scumbag you know all that but for the bottom line I can miss him do it you don't have to shoot seven times a person that two in their back you know I mean one shot is enough and you put a shot like maybe in their leg or something to slow them down and you have seven officers around you seven and this is one guy you're telling me also you cannot come take this guy down? Then what's the whole point of being an officer, right? Being an officer, that is your job duty. If, you, if you're if you not strong enough to be an officer, maybe you should not be an officer. You know what I mean? That's what comes with your duty. You have to be able to do them. They train you these things, right? In the academy. But uh, but uh, most of these police officers, including the guy who shot at me, um, I, I believe he was Armenian. I, that's what I've heard. This guy is like, come on, dude! It's seven shots. That's way too excessive. Yeah, I mean, I think the seven shots is my main problem. Is it's too excessive, and regardless of what they might have tried to tase him or they whatever transpired or whatever they were sent there for, whatever domestic dispute was going on, but I just think seven shots is uh, way too excessive, and it's there needs to be some sort of change where. Cops are able to use uh, some sort of force where they don't kill a person or severely paralyze them for the rest of their lives. And and one, I guess, kind of comparison that I can bring to that is you see wild bears, wild animals in, in the street sometimes that escape or on the loose. And they are somehow able to tranquilize those wild, barbaric animals. And I think they can find something similar for to do to humans in in situations like this if and instead of using lethal force and using um guns and and so forth to possibly kill 
people and also or either severely uh, paralyze them for the rest of their lives. So it's hopefully we can see some of that change. But I guess going back hand in hand with that is with the boycott, it definitely brought national attention. And the I believe the Milwaukee Bucks, the team who started the boycott, they were able to get on the phone after that during the, the game that they were supposed to play with the Attorney General of, uh, of the state of Wisconsin and also the Governor of Wisconsin. So that's kind of a good positive in the, in the, uh, step in the right direction. But I think the only way that it would be like 100% successful, the boycott would be, in my opinion, to have the trial sped up and kind of charges brought quickly. And I, that's something that we don't really see happen uh, in just in, in general in the U.S. court system. It's a, it's a slow-moving, very slow-moving process. And there's, all, there's a quote out there, the wheels ju of justice move slowly in the U.S. And that's definitely something that we have uh, can all attest to from what we've seen in past cases and past situations. So I guess in regard to that, I guess I'm going to have to disagree with you on the point of I think the players have a, a platform being in this bubble. And I, I don't know what what we'd really be hearing from them or what kind of statement if there was no bubble because they would just be putting tweets and stuff and not uh, doing sort of actions or boycotting games. So I think in, in some way this bubble was kind of good for them to kind of have a, kind of a platform and I think it was a good decision ultimately to continue the, to stay in the bubble and uh, play out the rest of the season. So hopefully uh, we can see more kind of, uh, as LeBron said, more uh, involvement from the owners of the NBA and uh, steps in the right direction towards uh, racial equality in the U.S. and more opportunities for minorities in the U.S. as well as uh, black people. So, so I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you, bro. Okay, I mean, I totally agree with you with the players. Want I think the players had the right to do what they wanted to do when they boycotted. I don't think anybody has anything to anybody has any right to just argue with that. I mean, the players. I mean, they they made their point. They're the ones coming out of doing things, and it's, it's it just shows, dude. He completely this. I mean, not even this. Let's if we may let's add another subject on it. The the recent shooting in uh, in Wisconsin. Okay, where this guy, this kid who's 17 years old, a pro-Trump supporter, who's been seen multiple times at pro-Trump uh, events, okay, on national TV, this guy comes with the, uh, what is that, uh, I think that was a semi-automatic, I don't know, but he comes with a gun, and then he passes the police, police don't even check him, don't do anything, even offer him water, and he goes and shoots protesters in the head. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's another aspect, dude. That's what I'm asking, and that's one of the actual reasons. That's also part of the reason people are boycotting. NBA players are boycotting. Because how can they, how can you live in a society where black lives don't matter? You know, I, I, I say that to a certain extent, because obviously, yes, obviously, obviously in these cases, it's like the black, the crime against black Americans, African Americans. It's tremendous, you know. I mean, the police literally not letting this kid go by and let him shoot protesters. I mean, that's unheard of. I'm sorry to say, that's unheard of. You know, I, mean, I, I don't care. It's like to me, that's I the whole police 
uh, in that in that uh, in that uh, city, uh, it need to be shut down. You know, I mean, there has to be new training. Not something. Something has to change. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm definitely for the the um, revitalization of the training. I think that's the biggest part of how to kind of handle hostile situations like this, and how to kind of uh, avoid using um, uh, guns and move to something that's uh, to where you're able to suppress the individual but not uh, s- significantly hurt them or kill them. I agree. Uh, uh, correct. Correct. They just said. To me, it's just that all these things happen. At, I mean, the the boycotts were also part of everything right, that's going on, and then it's just that all this is happening right now. I mean, to me, it just it, it, it's it, it's little touching. It's happening in the COVID environment, where yes, people are trying to move on COVID and and, and do things, but dude, it, there's people still dying from COVID. There's cases still rising, and people are acting like it like their normal lives are are still living their, their normal lives. Going out to restaurants, going this. I mean, today I went to, um, uh, I went to Baskin uh, uh, Robbins, which is right next to our floor, gives some ice cream. And then there's uh, Boomer Jacks right next door. And I'm looking at the Boomer Jacks, it's packed. And people are in there, and they're, yes, I understand they're eating, hanging out, but they have no masks on. And it's like, dude, it's like people, do you know people realize what is happening in the world? Are they like, yeah, um, it's just unfortunate think, some people prefer to have their ordinary, uh, normal lives, their kind of personal pleasure, personal entertainment over the greater good uh, and wearing masks and uh, social distancing to kind of uh, get through this together and to save lives and to stop uh, the virus, the, co- the coronavirus from spreading. It's just very disturbing to see, and I, I agree 100% on that with you. No, I, I mean, it, it's, it's just to me, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I didn't, I wasn't in favor of this NBA season in the bubble, because it's, I mean, to be honest with you, it's not, all the players are, are not playing, I mean, there's a lot of starters that chose to sit out for health concerns, you know, so it's it's really, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously someone's going to be crowned a championship, and, uh, and then, uh, because the, there is competition going on. You know, but no, all this stuff, is, I think, is it, I mean, yes, uh, the NBA wants to play, or players want to play, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to, like, was it worth it in the end, in my mind? I mean, depending on who okay. who wins and, um, I mean, depending on what the outcome is and who wins and so on, is in my mind, was, at the end of the day, was it worth it? Yeah, I mean... I mean, just in regard to the bubble, I think they're kind of halfway through the entire plan. I mean... It was planned to go three months. They've gone uh, a month and a half so far, and I think it's been a a great experience so far. I mean, the way they've controlled the testing and everything, and the way they've controlled uh, the behavior of players, and kind of enforcing the rules as they did on Lou Williams and other players who left, and they have to quarantine when they come back. And I think it's been a huge success. I mean, from entertainment value, from uh, safety of players. Uh, I mean, the mental health part might be the only downside where the players are just isolated in this little kind of uh, environment. But hopefully that will kind of change soon as players' uh, families are allowed to start uh, reporting to the bubble this Monday, from what I hear. So they they can kind of uh, get a little bit of a pick-me-up, the players that are left, the teams that are left coming this Monday. And... 
hopefully they can keep doing what they're doing, keep the testing, keep the rates low, the positive rates, and hopefully they can get through another month and a half. But we'll see what happens. I hope so. Exactly. Uh, I truly hope so. Get through a month and a half, because I think it's, uh, the, the sooner this ends, the sooner the better. That's just my thing. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to end it as soon as possible, because you have to worry about uh, next season as well, and then... You no, wanna... exactly. You mean, because if there's so many things also being postponed, like you, the NBA draft. It's got postponed, and you got to get once the NBA draft is postponed, then you got the players coming in, and, and yeah, draft free and da- and draft free agency training camp. The whole calendar for next year is a, a vital uh, piece to this as well. No, I agreed, yeah. agreed, exactly, exactly. That's my only thing about it. But I mean, it is what it is. So um, uh, it is what it is right now. But let's just see what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, I, I've loved the the quality of play. The games have been great, even from the playing round to Portland having their run now into the playoffs. There's uh, been some good matchups in the Western Conference, but the Eastern Conference has been a, a bit of a doozy because of the injuries and, and all the people who kind of uh, missed. But well, let's get into the Eastern Conference. Uh, we have one matchup set already. Your Boston Celtics, who swept Philadelphia in their first round, taking on the two-seeded Toronto Raptors who swept the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. So give me your overall thoughts on this series, kind of the, the key matchups, and what, what you ultimately think is going to take place. Uh, before I add into uh, with this situation, I'd like to bring up a point. Uh, this is the process of no board in Philly. And I, I remember we had a, uh, mm-hmm. we had a, a meeting sometime, uh, uh, conversation sometime back. Couple, I mean, a couple of years ago, I believe, and uh, believe the meeting was about which uh, rebuild will go quicker. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I was in my Celtics, and uh, I remember Deshaun saying to trust in the process. So I just want to bring that up and say the process is no longer there. It's no more. I mean, the process, I mean, they, they have to get rid of one of the guys. I, I will completely own this. I had high hopes for Philadelphia this season, and it was... <laughs> It was an absolute train wreck for them. I mean, the the Horford and Cud, Tobias uh, Harris contracts did not turn out to pan out well. And then these guys, Simmons and Embiid, turn out to uh, have a lot of injury history. So I think the plan for them moving forward, obviously they've already fired their coach, Brett Brown. He's after seven seasons. I think the plan, they have to decide which one they want to build around, Embiid or Simmons, and then they have to... Uh, build a quality team that tailored that is tailored to that specific superstar, whichever one it is, either Joel Embiid or uh, Ben Simmons. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But I mean, as far as the Celtics go, I mean, if they don't win a championship, I don't really. I mean, that they, yeah, they've been more consistent than Philly. I don't really see their rebuild being successful either. So we'll we'll, we'll see mean, what happens. One thing for sure, I I definitely have to put one thing up. I have to bring it up and. Uh, Ainge definitely killed Philly and the Lakers in that, uh, what is that, 2017 draft, if I'm correct. Ainge uh, definitely swindled, he, he definitely swindled uh, Philadelphia with the... He definitely swindled Philadelphia. With the, the, the Mark Helfold's trade, yeah. So yeah. that's for sure. Pick, which is, uh, this year is going to be in the lottery top board. It's going to be uh, the 14th pick in the lottery. When they thought it would be like uh, between 17 and 19, it actually ended up being 14. Which is not bad because that that, that could be uh, a useful pick to either move up or or move down in the draft or or move out of the whole draft for next year. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with the draft. Let's focus on the present. What's What's your opinion on this Boston team versus a very good Toronto team in this series? I think Boston can take Toronto. Um, it's all it all depends on health. You know, I mean, uh, right now Boston's playing at a very all time high. You know, they have Boston is completely healthy with the exception of Gordon Hayward, I believe, right? Gordon correct. Hayward, correct, correct. He's they are completely healthy except for Gordon Hayward, who once again had an injury where he landed on uh, or no, no, uh, I think he landed or was it uh, the other player landed on his foot? I, I, I don't recall. But uh, that uh, he's out for, he has a sprained ankle. I don't know. They're saying four weeks timetable. Uh, we don't know when that will be available, when he'll come back. Hopefully, if they uh, if they get by uh, uh, the Raptors, he'll be uh, available uh, to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't know just yet what's happening. I mean, uh, nothing has been told, I'm wondering, from what I understand. You know, I'm, um, but... Um, but they're still playing really well. I mean, uh, you have Tatum has, has picked up his game uh, once again from having a sort of off year. If you consider last year, his game is. I mean, he's just playing tremendous right now. I mean, you have Jalen Brown, who's who I'm surprised really picked himself up this year, and and that, uh, you have Kemba now. You know, so you, so you have three guys. Well, they had four with with Hayward, but he's gone. But now. Now you have three guys that can score at least 20 points a game. Yeah, and then at least 20. more importantly, I think three guys down the stretch and in, 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 uh, kind of late in fourth quarters and stuff and big moments, I think they can create their own shots. As we saw, Kemba, I think Kemba had a big shot uh, in one of the games against uh, Philly. I think game three or game four, I think in overtime, I believe, or something. And then... Uh, I mean, obviously Tatum has emerged, and then Jalen Brown as well. I mean, I think I don't think Jalen Brown is there fully yet. I think he still has, uh, he still can kind of go up another level in terms of create creativity and playmaking. But I, I would going back to Hayward, I I would have to think his days in Boston are numbered. I mean, as sad as that, and I guess ruthless as that is to say, I think I don't see where he fits kind of with them in the future, and kind of would. With him being having two years left on that contract, I think they would. I think someone they'd probably. I, I I'd say probably going to get something for him or some t- sort of picks or something, with the expiring deal coming up in two years. So we'll we'll see what happens. But what's what's your prediction overall for this series? Are are you taking your Celtics? I'm going to take my Celtics, of course. Okay. I mean, I'm going to take it. Uh, I'm taking Celtics uh, in uh, in a seven game series. I think, uh, I mean, uh, I I think the Celtics are playing really great right now. I mean, we'll have to see what happens, obviously. With Hayward's situation, he's able to come back. Who knows? Do um, you know what's going on with uh, um, Lowry on the uh, on the Raptors? I know he also had a sprained ankle. I have not heard yes. much. I know he, um, yeah, he, that in that game four, I think he stepped on one of the Brooklyn players' ankles and he kind of yeah. rolled it or sprained it a, a little. So, I mean... Their game one for them is, uh, I believe, tomorrow. So, no, it's on Sunday. It's on Sunday. The game. It's on Sunday. I thought it was tomorrow. Yeah, no, no, they changed it. They made it Sunday. Oh, they made it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they they made it Sunday. Yeah, yeah. because the reason why I know is because I have to go to a a housewarming on Sunday afternoon, and that's when the game is. <laughs> I hope that housewarming is socially distanced and <laughs> and you're wearing a mask. 
That's why I, I know I, I'm gonna be wearing a mask and I have to I have to tune into my NBA TV where I can watch the game there. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean that. that so that that'll be a noon start for you of Sunday, game exactly, one. Exactly, noon start for me. That's when Dallas starts. Yeah, I mean Lowry. I mean that's kind of a big big loss I think for Toronto. But I mean Toronto. I think Van Vliet has been playing very well. Uh, Siakam and Anobi, they they got a lot of guys as well, just like Boston. I mean, so they're both very, um, they're both teams who are both very well coached. They're both uh, have young coaches. They're both, they both have young players. They both have a lot of depth, and they they have some veteran guys as well. Each team. So I mean, I see, I agree with you on the length of the series. Uh, I see it being a seven game series. But I, I I like Toronto uh, coming out on top. I I think all right, all just right. kind of from yeah, just kind of from their run last year to the title. I think they've been just as good this season uh, coming back without Kawhi, and they've had they have the, Nick Nurse, the coach of the year. Uh, obviously, Brad Stevens as well is really young and is a great coach as well. And I think I just think Nick Nurse more than anyone else is willing to just experiment and be bold with uh, kind of what kind of lineups and kind of uh, schemes he puts out and that's proved to be successful for him so far in his uh, two years as a head coach and I kind of expect more of that I mean for the Raptors you can see kind of like multiple guys coming and being the hero on one night it could be Van Vliet one night it could be Ananobi or Pascal Siakam Uh, you could see Ibaka coming in same with the Celtics, I mean, one night Tatum could have it going, one night Brown could have it going, other night Kemba oh, Walker. So this is very, very exciting matchup, but I just think the Raptors slightly, I think slightly better defensively overall in my opinion. And then I think also uh, uh, at the center spots, I think they're a little longer and a little stronger as well with Gasol and Ibaka versus uh Tyson uh, Cantor, so. Well, see, 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 see. That's where I think. Yeah, I think uh, in this series, I think uh, Stevens is going to experiment as well. You have two big guys. You have uh, uh, you have Time Lord, uh, uh, Robert Williams. You know, then you have another uh, Ty uh, who hasn't played much, but top of all. And I think, I think he, I think he should experiment with them early. I mean, you put top of foul in there, dude. Seven foot, seven foot four. They can't even know how to reach him. Yeah, I mean, him and the guy, and the guy cannot shoot free throws. <laughs> it would talk of foul. You, I mean, I mean, with a big guy like that, I mean, you kind of got to worry about injuries. And I mean, how many minutes can you really play him? I mean, you're gonna play him like a good maybe five ten minutes. And then I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking Stevens goes the other way with that, with kind of a small ball lineup, kind of emulates Houston a little bit. Maybe has. Brown at the five or Tatum at the four, something like that, and then they, they go with Kemba and Marcus Smart, and then maybe another guy in there as well, whoever it it's may be. It's a possibility. Yeah, so it's definitely a possibility, but I don't know. I I, I think this game, both Nick Nurse and I think uh, Brad Stevens are going to be experimenting with their with their team, with their players to see which fit works. Okay. It should be an, an excellent, fun series to look forward to. And oh, exactly! I, I'm, I'm, I got the Raptors, the defending champions, in seven. You got your Celtics in seven. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Looking forward to right. this. Looking huh? forward to game one on Sunday, but we'll see what happens. Okay. Cool. 
But the next series in, in the East is not fully determined yet, but in my eyes it's fully determined. I think it's going to be for sure Milwaukee versus Miami, the one seed Milwaukee. I think they're going to close out their series tomorrow against Orlando. And uh, Miami obviously coming off the sweep of Indiana, the, the uh, five seed. They'll be taking on Milwaukee, I believe. And then how about that in the East? Uh, the only win uh, that the losing teams got was... Uh, Orlando winning the game one versus Milwaukee. So that's, uh, like I said, a lot of injuries uh, ha took took, pl took play into that with Ben Simmons, DeMontis Sabonis, and kind of some other guys. But uh, the half of Brooklyn team missing, and then Orlando, I mean, some players missing, Jonathan Isaac, Bo Mo Bamba. So. But with that, what's kind of your thoughts on... The Milwaukee-Miami series, the one versus five. What do you see here? What's your ultimate I prediction? I think it's going to be a great series, actually. I think Miami Heat would play have the personnel to actually keep up with these guys in, in Milwaukee. I mean, they're also a team team. I mean, you have uh, Butler, you have uh, um, Donick, you have uh, these other guys, so I don't know if they're exact team. Did you say Milwaukee or Miami? I, Miami. Uh, uh, Miami, Miami. Miami, okay. Yeah, yeah, Miami. So, uh I don't know who their exact team is, but I, I think this is going to go um, a good six and uh, I'm going to say seven-game series, um, Milwaukee and uh, and Miami, and uh, I think it will, it will go seven. I mean, seven games all. It's going to all depend on, on the players, you know. It's going to all depend uh, on uh, who can get the inside game. I mean, obviously Milwaukee, I think, has the advantage on that with uh, with Giannis, um, but. Um, does Miami have uh, someone to stop in? Which I think they have. Uh, I don't know. I think their best option. They they got multiple options to throw at him. I think their best option is their young center, Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo. That's right. That's right. Bam Adebayo. Right. But they, they I'm, they're also going to throw Iguodala and Jimmy Butler. I'm sure at him uh, as well at some point <laughs> in the series. And no, agreed, agreed. I mean, that's one of the things I'm thinking. Uh, I have Miami. Oh. Uh, I'm favoring Miami in this one. Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing that because they have a lot more. I mean, when it comes to like veteran presence, you have Butler who's been in the league, you have Iguodala who's been in the league, and it's been in these situations. Um, not saying that, uh, that Milwaukee hasn't been there. I mean, they have, but I mean, these kinds of situations coming into the situation, I think that I think uh, the Heat have that have that advantage. Having these guys been there before, these guys able to. Uh, to lead their teams, so I mean, I, I think that's a that's a huge benefit for this. So I, that's why I think it's it's going to be a seven game series. Well, actually, I thought six, but I'm, but I'm going with seven, and I I think the Heat will can take it, but then uh, I don't know. I'm like uh, I sort of split on this series. Okay, yeah, I mean, this is another exciting series here in the East the Eastern Conference semifinals. I mean. We got Miami with the, all their their culture. Eric Spolster being uh, one of the longest tenured head coaches uh, since '08. I mean, 12 straight years with as the head coach, and you have just I mean a lot of different kind of uh, var varieties and styles for Miami. I mean, they got young shooters with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. They got a young center up front and Bam Adebayo. They got veteran guys and like you said and. With Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic. Uh, I mean, guys who have seen lot of, lots of different things. And then they also have kind of athletic guys. I mean, off the bench, Derek Jones, uh, 
other guys like Kelly Olenek, Myers Leonard. And then for Miami, I mean, although you have uh, mostly uh, younger guys, I mean, you have some veteran guys there with uh, the Lopez brothers, uh, Wesley Matthews, Kyle Korver. But their core being Bledsoe, uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, uh, those guys are fairly young and not much, uh, some playoff experience, but not not as much as compared to Miami. And then, I mean, I, for me, I think this comes down to all the different schemes and bodies that Miami is going to be able to throw Giannis's way. And I think Giannis still, to me, is not a consistent jump shooter. I mean, this is kind of similar to what kind of LeBron was in the late 2000s. He was, he was not a consistent jump shooter at that time. And then even in the 2013 finals, when uh, Pop, Greg Popovich dared him to take all those jumpers and he successfully took them in Game 7 and was able to win, I think that was kind of the jumping, the, the springboard for LeBron at the, the point where he kind of uh, got, got into a consistent rhythm with his jump shot and made it more reliable for him than it was in his earlier years. And I think... Giannis still hasn't taken that step yet as far as that jump shot goes. And I think Miami is going to employ different bodies on him from Iguodala to Butler to Bam Adebayo. And then they're also going to employ different schemes. I could, I could see them putting a zone out there. I could see them putting a box in one, something like that. So I, I think they're going to throw a lot of different varieties, mix it up and kind of confuse him and kind of similar to what Toronto did last season in in the conference finals against Milwaukee so I think that's going to be the ultimate difference I mean he's going to definitely go off he's a great player he's still going to have his numbers but another thing that kind of worries me is some of those other guys I mean some of those other guys like Middleton Bledsoe are they going to show up consistently Middleton did not show up consistently has not showed up consistently against uh, Orlando he's had I think one good game so wh- where is he going to kind of get that other support uh, aside from himself? And then Milwaukee is good defensively as well, but I just think the variety of styles that Miami has offensively, they can shoot a lot of threes very well, and they can really put it up there. I, I think they're going to have the advantage here, and I- I'm going to have to agree with you. I like Miami in a long seven-game series uh, to win win closely. Yeah, yeah, I think that could be the case. And honestly, like you said, I mean, they have, they have veterans, they have a young team, they have a lot of sharpshooters, and honestly, that's, uh, I think with, uh, as you mentioned, with Milwaukee, I mean, Bledsoe and all these other guys, they, have, they still haven't shown up yet. You know, I mean, maybe they'll show up this series, you know. I hope so. I mean, I hope so, but we we'll, got to see what happens. Yeah, I mean... Like I said, it should be two exciting uh, Eastern Conference semifinal series. I'm really looking forward to them. And then back to this series, we both agree, Miami in seven, a long seven-game series. So with that, we'll kind of just look, what's kind of your thoughts on some of these other series? Nobody has really officially clinched their series in the Western Conference yet. So uh, for me, I... I mean, one thing... For me, I see for sure Lakers, Clippers, and... Moving on, so what? But what about the, those other two series? Do you do you see any different as far as co- some of these series? What's kind of your thoughts? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it Clippers, I think, are, are definitely going to move forward. I think, uh, I think, uh, uh, what's your name? Uh, uh, yeah, Porzingis. 
Porzingis. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Kristaps Porzingis uh, got diagnosed with a. Uh, no, 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 no. He's not. A Porzingis is out for the. Yeah, Porzingis is, is is out for the rest of the series with a torn meniscus. So. Yeah, uh, but I think Paul George finally woke up in last game. You know, with his thirty-five points, I think he finally got out of it. So. Yeah, I mean, he even admitted himself he had a, he was a little depressed in the bubble, and then. He kind of let the social media stuff get to him, and he was get really him, exactly. he was really in a no, funk. So yeah, I mean, I, I I I think they still would have survived. I mean, even without him, but I yeah. I think they need him and Kawhi to be effective moving forward in some of the later series when they get up in the semis and the conference finals. But I think they could have survived this series with without him. I mean, without him being effective. But yeah, I think uh, the later series is already done. Yeah, Portland's not going to come back. Yeah, not gonna come uh, back. Lillard Damian Lillard has already left the bubble to kind of get that knee reevaluated as well. So, I think Portland. I mean, they they played really well, but they like a, I think they were the team that had a lot of injuries coming into the bubble. And, yeah, I mean, Portland. Like, uh, Portland coming into the bubble was kind of scary because they got Nurkic and Collins back, and then, but they kind of rode that wave, went seven and two in the play the. Seed in games and the play, the play in game, and they were able to get that eighth seed, and they were riding a lot of adrenaline, a lot of good play from Damian Lillard, and then they were able to ride that to a game one win over uh, the Lakers. But then fatigue kind of set in. Zach Collins uh, went out for the rest of uh, for the, the the series, and now Lillard got banged up with the first with the dislocated finger, now with the knee, so he's out now. And then the Lakers, I mean have just kind of been rolling and what's Lakers offensively have looked shaky for sure and especially yeah. their three point shooting but what's remained consistent and what has remained consistent for them all season is their defense they their defense has looked really good and well what remains to be seen is it against a shaky effective kind of fatigued Portland team or is this defense for real and then we'll see for that uh, I mean coming up in the semis and the conference finals no, exactly, exactly. I mean, one scene, one thing I really want to see, one series I want to see Houston with these series. I mean, uh, but Westbrook's coming back now. Uh, he'll be playing next game, so, he, so he's back. And then uh, series is tied 2-2, so, I mean, Oklahoma City is a much stronger team than I anticipated to be. Yeah, I mean, that was I mean, my that playing, was my favorite yeah. series in the West going in. I, I, I had Oklahoma City in seven. We're tied... Knotted up at two right now with Westbrook coming back uh, for Game Five tomorrow. So I mean, we'll see how the the, the remaining three games go. It, it should be super exciting. But I mean, Westbrook brings obviously kind of a, uh, increased decision making and another playmaker. But because it seems like Harden has had to kind of create everything for all the rest of the guys that. No, exactly, exactly. But the thing is, they go small ball. Uh, that's, uh, that's how the team is built. Yeah, I mean... So, um, so the thing is, with uh, OKC, they uh, option to go small ball, but they can also go with their bigs. Yeah, I mean... To sort of slow the game down a bit. OKC has the option, I mean, to kind of match both, because the, if the small ball, if they go small ball, they can go their three guards with CP3, Shai Gilgis, mm-hmm. and uh, Schroeder, and then you can... You can play Gallo at the five, and then probably put yeah, in exactly. and Dort at the four, and then that can match up with Houston's best lineup, which is Westbrook, Harden, uh, Eric Gordon, Covington, and PJ Tucker. So exactly. But then also, I mean, that could kind of be 
a negative for Houston because, I mean, OKC can go big with Steven Adams and uh, some of the other big guys and kind of just dominate the boards. And that would, in order for Houston to kind of overcome that, they have to shoot effectively from the three-point line. You know, I, I, I totally agree. That's the whole thing because Houston is getting up the size in this series. And, and definitely, I mean, they can, I think OKC can, can go both ways. That's why I'm sort of leaning towards OKC winning this series. Yeah, I mean, I had OKC in seven uh, when I made we made the picks, me and Rebound, uh, a few weeks back. And uh, I, I'm still sticking with that, even even though that Westbrook, even though Westbrook is coming back. But I, I still like OKC to win a close seven-game series here. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know what I picked before, but, but I do agree now. With OKC, I didn't expect them to be this good, but they're playing damn well. Okay, I mean, the next series, I mean, surprise, I mean, I did not expect the Utah Jazz to play this well and put themselves in a position, 3-1 lead now, uh, that has gone to, turned into 3-2. But I, what I've just really liked about this series is the excellent, superb play of the young stars on both teams, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. Uh, they've really emerged and uh, gone for very incredible performances. So what what was kind of your original thought on this series? And then... Where do you kind of see play playing out now for moving forward to the last two games, or one game possibly? Well, so, well, to be honest, it's a regional. I wasn't paying attention to this uh, too much, but I was thinking more this would be uh, the Nuggets would sort of sneak by the series. That's what I thought because with their youth and, and so and so. But uh, hey, but uh, but the Jazz are playing really well. You know, I mean, uh, they're playing really well. Uh, um, and they're up one game, so. I definitely think they can. Uh, I think the series Michael seven as well, and I the Jazz will end up winning it. But uh, but I, I think the Nuggets have arguably trouble. I mean, with Jazz, you have what? Uh, who's the other guy that came back with Jazz? I get uh, that guy's name, but uh, but um, I think he's he's also playing Wallace well too. Uh, I get I Mike Conley. His name. Mike Conley. Yeah, it was Mike Conley, but there was another player. Donovan Donovan Mitchell. Oh yeah, well you're you're Donovan Mitchell. I think there was another guy that came back. I do I can't get his name. No, the, a, a but, guy went out for them. Boyan. I mean that was a big loss, but I I don't know if there was. I can't think I of anyone. Else. Oh, Bogdanovich. Was he out at some time? No, yeah, he's been out the whole. He's been out the whole time. They haven't had him. So. Oh, they oh they have it. Oh crap! I, that's what they have. Yeah, that's that's My why bad. that's why originally I liked Denver in this series in six yeah. because they did not have Bogdanovich. He was their second yeah. leading scorer in the regular season, and he was their best three point shooter, and he helped space the floor. So yeah, I exactly. I thought that was wow. going to be a major disadvantage to Utah, but they've overcome it with uh, great performances uh, from Donovan Mitchell throughout, and even Rudy Gobert in some of the games. So. No, exactly, exactly. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't realize that he was out there. Really. It just goes so much how watching this series, really. but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, they're playing really well. Then so I'm definitely gonna have to have to go with them. A seven game series. Okay, yeah, you're going seven. I mean, I had Denver originally in this one in six. I thought when Boyan announced early on that he wasn't going to be in the bubble because and they weren't going to have him because of his injury. I thought that was a big loss to Utah, and. I did not think that they would be able to overcome it offensively, but Mitchell, you got to give him credit, has played excellent. And I'm going to change my opinion in this series now. I mean, from I had 
Denver in six. I think Utah's going to close it out uh, in game six. Uh, and, and move on to the second round, to the semifinal. So I think I'm going to change it. I think Utah's going to... I just don't see Jamal Murray having as good of a game that he had in the la- in the past two. I think he was, I think he had fifty on in game four, and then forty two, I believe, on, in game in game five, and he did not have he did not have a single turnover in either game. I mean, it's a, it's nuts. So uh, I I don't see him playing that well, and I, I I just think Utah will bounce back and win game six and move on. Exactly. That's what I think so, too. I'm going seven, though. But, uh, but I think Utah ends up winning. Okay, so you see Denver pushing to seven, Utah ultimately winning. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it should be a fun next couple of days, and it should be a fun uh, second conference for the uh, second round, excuse me, for the Eastern Conference. So, so with that, Akshay, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much com- oh, for coming yeah, on. Thank you for having me, bro. I definitely do, definitely. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Once these uh, Western Conference matchups get finalized, maybe in about two, three days, uh, I'll be back to discuss the Western Conference semifinal matchups. But until then, hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Hope you guys enjoy all the NBA action uh, coming to us this weekend.